0: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to Inspire Change, a new inspirational and motivational broadcast that strives to empower men in a positive way, designed to educate and And inspire even the busiest individual on the go over that first cup of coffee. Please join me in welcoming Gunter Soboda, international psychologist, author, speaker, and producer. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Inspire Change. Uh, In Australia at the moment, it is Sunday and it's a very, very special day. It's Mother's Day. So before we get into anything else, please let me extend my heartfelt wishes to all those mums out there, young and old, uh, who've been absolutely on the front line, you know, taking care uh, of of all of us in some form or another, Um, and they deserve to... Have a day of special recognition. So again, can you know happy Mother's Day? I hope you're gonna have a wonderful day. And please, please be safe. Alright, so in the last couple of episodes of this podcast, I've been talking about turning points. So one of the things that one of the turning points that's particularly important to me is recognising when we're in psychological distress or we're trying to deal with a psychological disorder. And the one in particular that I've been focusing on is about substance abuse disorders for lots of reasons. One, because uh, in, in, in many, many places in our very wealthy community, especially where I live, um, it can be a really hidden problem. Uh, So that's one issue. The other issue is that we have, generally speaking, in my view, a very high tolerance for the amount of alcohol and drugs that we consume. And when I talk about drugs, I also include prescribed drugs. Um, People do overuse prescription drugs. And, you know, as we all know, in the United States, for example, there is a major opioid crisis going. And in in Australia, I'm not sure exact figures at the moment, and I'll probably look that up at some point. But, you know, we've got issues with that as well. The other issue is that particularly amongst teenagers uh, abusing... Uh, medications prescribed for ADD, ADHD is also very, very common. Drugs like dexamphetamine, Ritalin uh, and so on. And and they in particular have an, an effect on the user where not only um, do they overuse the medication, but because those drugs are stimulants, it allows the person to actually drink more without necessarily feeling as drunk although their blood alcohol level does reflect their level of intoxication. So it's a real concern. So in this episode, I'm not going to uh, focus so much on that. I'm going to look more towards, you know, what do you do when you have an adult family member or a friend with a substance abuse problem? You know, this is one of the things that I frequently get in my practice working with people, and sometimes it's the reason why they've come to see me, but a lot of times it's something that emerges within exploring, you know, the person's relationship and and what, what they're actually dealing with in their life. So, you know, I'm very clear with any client that I see is that, you know, I can't diagnosed, but I can certainly go on certain behaviours. And the fact of the matter is that if a person opens up to me about their concerns about their partner or a friend or a family member and their alcohol and or drug use, it usually means that there's a problem. Because as I said, I mean, fundamentally in our community, we've got a fairly high tolerance to the amount of alcohol and drugs that we take and think that it's okay. I mean, the the, the, the big issue is not just drinking, for example, all the time. Uh, a, a big problem in our community is binge drinking, and that certainly um, is a pattern that I see with teenagers and young adults, but also adults... You know, mature adults, at least we think they should be mature, but, you know, the behavior sort of suggests that there is a problem. Not necessarily saying they're, you know, immature, but they're certainly stuck emotionally in a place where what they're doing is detrimental both to themselves and others. And people say, oh, well, what I do, you know, I'm I'm a single person. It doesn't affect anybody. That's a very, very two-dimensional perspective to have on the issue. Uh, as I said in the last podcast, you know, any person who overuses or abuses substances immediately affects four other people. Now, that's quite a significant number. So firstly, we need to sort of understand what those impacts can be. I mean, certainly as a husband or a wife, if I've got a partner who is, you know, um, overindulging or abusing substances, my stress levels are going to be through the roof. Um, Because this one, I'm going to constantly wonder what he, she is like, you know, after a few drinks or, you know, after a party or during a party. Uh, The other aspect of it is, and I say this very, very uh, fervently, is that when we are intoxicated, doesn't matter what drug it is, we're actually not emotionally available, um, and a lot of times afterwards we're not practically available. So if you're trying to nurse yourself through a hangover the next couple of days, uh, how effective and how you know connected are you going to be either as a husband or wife or as a parent? Um, One of the groups that I do a lot of work with is people who've grown up in families where there are alcohol and substance abuse disorders right through their childhood. And I'm going to talk about that again in in another podcast. But for the moment, I'm just going to say, you know, the consequences are not just on the person who is using, they affect others. And there's not, it's not a question if it affects, it's just a question, you know, that they do and in what way. Okay, so when I work with, you know, young adults whose parents or one parent has been, you know, caught up in a, a substance abuse disorder, usually there are particular emotional patterns, there are issues about self-esteem, there's issues about um, secrecy, all sorts of stuff. Okay, and again, I'm, I'm going to open that up a little bit more in another podcast, but for this, for this instance, for this particular podcast, uh, I want to sort of provide a little bit of a framework about how to address this effectively. So, you know, one of the things that I get often from a client is, you know, am I overreacting to what my partner's doing? And by and large, the answer is no uh you know, yes, there can be exceptions, but it generally as i said if if there is this question that arises and you're feeling uncomfortable by definition alone, there's already a problem there okay so this the second bit is you know it's useful to get educated about this, okay, so um it might be useful, and this is where the internet can be very useful uh to to you know go to websites that talk about signs and symptoms of substance use, abuse and addiction, right? So, so that's the, you know, one of the sort of fundamental aspects to this, you know, look at the person's behavior closely over a period of a few days or weeks to see what you think's going on for them. Okay. It might also be, uh, a, a good thing to check in with others about what their experience is like with a person who, who's potentially or who you know is overusing alcohol or, or drugs. Um, one of the things that I encourage people a lot is, you know, seek out professional help. Someone who's got, you know, very good experience in working with uh, abuse, drug, substance abuse and addictions but who also has a very good understanding of, you know, family dynamics. Uh, the two are very, very important. So, you know, we don't want to judge the person. We want to be able to create a bridge that can possibly lead to that turning point where the person goes, you know what, I, I, okay, I might be resisting this and, you know, maybe I'm thinking that my partner's overreacting, but I'm, I need to talk to somebody. And so that's a really, really important aspect. The other aspect, and I want to stress this uh, very, very strongly, is you do need to be cautious in terms of how and when you raise it, because it's very, very important that you and your family are safe from any sort of possible harm. This is particularly relevant with alcohol abuse because it tends to, you know, domestic violence and alcohol abuse go uh, highly correlated. So they sort of go hand in hand frequently. Um, So there's sort of a couple of issues that I want people to think about. The other thing is do not try to have a conversation with a person when they're intoxicated. Doesn't matter what it is, whether it's alcohol. Whether it's stimulants, whatever, it, it it it's a you know essentially a waste of oxygen really, and you can actually get yourself into some very difficult situation. Also, do not try to do that when you've had maybe a drink or two yourself. You, you, you need to be sober in that in that space. Now, one of the things that we talk a lot about in terms of you know t- taking steps to address this is. You know, there are, there are really significant benefits in getting at this early. Um, one, of, one of the problems with, for example, alcoholism is that it tends to escalate over time. Um, My experience is that, you know, that can be as short as three to five years where the person is suddenly physically and and, and psychologically addicted. And the physical addiction to alcohol is particularly problematic because if the person tries to take themselves off cold turkey, they're putting themselves into a medical emergency. And so, you know, there there are some safety concerns, both for the person using, but also for, you know, the people around them. And we need to really take care of, you know, how we're going to set the scene and, you know, pick our times. Having said that, there is never a good time. It's somewhere along the line. It's always going to, there's always going to be tension, stress and conflict around it. Um... So you know, one of the things you you just need to do is at some point going okay, this this is it. So if you follow the sort of basic rules that are outlined earlier on, the better. Um, one of the things that I think is really important is in this context um, is to understand there is no quick fix. This is going to take some time. This is going to maybe take you know several conversations. Um, one of the things that they talk about in AA is that for a lot of people, their turning point is hitting rock bottom. In other words, if there's a physical crisis, a medical crisis that occurs, um, a relationship crisis, or a professional crisis, i.e., they may be, you know, uh, at a at a work function and they're overly drunk and they do something completely inappropriate. And so, for some people, that's rock bottom. But everybody has a different point which can be referred to as a turning point, where they where the lights go on and they go, okay, uh, maybe I do have a problem. Because usually uh, people sort of need to grow into the idea that they've got a problem. We, you know, this is a disorder that allows us to rationalise things very, very easily. And in a lot of instances, when we're talking to the person, they've got all the, you know, excuses and rationalisations available to them to describe a situation that doesn't reflect reality that it's completely minimized Um, and if you don't have experience in the field as a professional it's really easy to go oh yeah okay so it's not that bad really Um, and you know it's it's a matter of experience education and professional judgment to go hang on a minute you know, the fact that we're having a conversation about this in the first place means there's something going on. Um, so the other aspect in this is that, you know, as I said earlier on, we don't want to judge the person. We don't want to alienate them. But we we have to give a very consistent message. And my, my comment about that or my approach is very much about you know uh, you know I care deeply for you, you're very important to me um, and it's really really imperative that we get you some help um, you know, please avoid blaming arguing reproaching uh you know, and expect that the person's going to basically try to deny it, distort it, avoid it, rationalize it, you know, all the sort of defense mechanisms that come into play. And there's a very good book written by a guy called Eric I think it was Eric Byrne called The Games Alcoholics Play. And it really it highlights the scripts, in a sense, the conversational, the communication scripts that people get into. Um, when they are in a substance abuse situation. It changes our perspectives. Um, Very much a bit like, you know, our perspective changes when we're depressed, but this is particularly uh, insidious. One of the other things I think that can help, um, and in the last episode I talked about models of addiction, um, and although I'm not a fan of the disease model, although I, I reframe disease in my work with substance abuse disorders and addictions as a dis-ease, in other words, it's not like a medical illness, but rather a, a, an underlying you know, inner conflict around, quite often, uh, a trauma or a, or a psychological wound. We talk about the narcissistic wound in that case and the, and the layers that are built up around that to try and function and live with this distress, okay? So, but however, having said that, uh, AA has a program for family and friends of someone with a problem called al So that may be also very, very useful. There is a non uh, uh disease model program which is called the smart recovery uh process which is basically uh, uh it originates from rational emotive behavior therapy and the work of Albert Ellis and it's 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 a very 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 good program it's not spiritually based in that sense uh or you know for some people the whole idea of surrendering to god and all that it just doesn't sit well um smart doesn 't have that, so you know if you if you 've got any queries, please you know google it um, smart recovery and there 's some really really powerful resources on there that can help support you through but again, I would do that in conjunction to seeing a professional now the the other issue is that It's often useful as a person living with someone um, who has a substance abuse disorder to actually seek professional help, not about the person using, but about yourself. Um, You know, there are reasons often why we are in a relationship with someone who is struggling with abuse, substance abuse or addiction. Uh, and we need to we need to get you know a clear understanding about what's happening for us in terms of our beliefs, our attitudes and and our relationship to self uh, and 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 to be able to work through the stress and distress uh, and how to keep ourselves safe. So I think that's a really, really, really important step to take. Um, because ultimately there is only so much that you can do for your family member or friend who's got a substance abuse disorder or an addiction. Ultimately, they need to take ownership for themselves. Um, part of it is that you also need to be clear about when you need to you know, put yourself in as a priority and, 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 and focus on reducing the potential harm within the relationship to yourself. And that's a really important aspect. All right, so I just thought I'd start there. I'll probably continue with this theme uh, in the next podcast as well because there are some things that I want to talk about that expand this into, um, you know, some ideas about why we possibly are vulnerable to this. And I think that we we need to really... Um, examine the root causes of the problems, and we, part of that is in the models of addictions, but also part of it is just how 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 we set up, how our culture is set up. Uh, a lot of people talk to me about using alcohol as a way of relaxing. Well, in very small doses, that's true. You get a bit of a serotonin lift, but afterwards, you're just going to be anxious. All right, it's just it doesn't work well, you know, medium to long term. Short term maybe, but even then it doesn't work very well. All right, everybody, um, here we are on that Mother's Day. And again, all my best wishes to all the mums out there. Uh, missing mine, but, you know, I'm still fortunate to have my mother-in-law. Uh, and all our young family members who are now mums uh, stepping up. So yeah, we're going to celebrate a little bit later on and, and, and get together, and we're fortunate in that because some people aren't. So for me, today is definitely about gratitude towards mums and all the things that they've done for us and will do for us. So until next time... This is me, signing off. Thank you for listening to Inspire Change with Gunter. Gunter Swoboda does individual and group coaching for men looking to grow. For more information on this and the global making Good Men Great movement, check out goodmengreat.com to get into contact. If you have a topic for the show or would like to be a guest on the air, please email producers at Miranda at Noirtainment.com. That's Miranda, M-I-R-A-N-D-A at Noirtainment, N-O-I-R-T-A-I-N-M-E-N-T dot com. Thank you and always keep inspiring change.